Today's scripture reading is from Luke, chapter 19, verses 29 through 40. When he approached Bethphage and Bethany, near the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you. There, as you enter, you will find a colt, tied on which no one yet has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord has need of it. They brought it to Jesus and they threw their coats on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he was going, they were spreading their coats on the road. As soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen, shouting, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. This is the word of the Lord. As I alluded to earlier, I didn't allude to it, I actually said it. Uh, as I said earlier, our family just got back from being away for four weeks, and we went to Miami. And it's very warm there this time of year. I think it's very warm every time of year there. And uh, people have been asking, you know, how was the trip? How, you know, was it restful? Uh, why are you so tan? Um, I, actually, actually I, 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 they know why I'm tan, because I was in the, at the sun, in the sun all day. Um, it, was, it was a lot of fun, but it's hard to, to put into words how things went, because the sabbatical is where you get away and you unplug spiritually. And so I'm still processing what God spoke to me and uh, my feelings on uh, faith and, and all the things that God uh, revealed during that time. Uh, but I, wanted, I do have a couple of pictures I want to show you to, uh, about the sabbatical that I think explain a little bit. Uh, you know, I didn't have to preach every week or work, so sabbatical is you unplug from everything, so it's uh, better than a vacation. So I didn't have to trim my beard, fix my hair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for laughing so loudly on that one. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I, you know, I got to wear different kinds of clothes. I didn't dress like this at all over four weeks. In fact, I have a little, little clip right here I can show you. This explains a little bit of life in Miami for me. This is me on the beach, skate, roller skating, and praying, of course. And, you know, I met people there. Um, yeah, so I had, I had fun, see? And then I prayed. And then, you know, I met people. So that, that's me having fun on the beach. Um, and you may be wondering, well, what about Carrie? Did she roller skate? No, she doesn't like to roller skate. She's more of a surf girl. And uh, she's a preacher's wife, so she has to, <laughs> to dress appropriately, you know, because we have to, to look a certain way. So this is her surfing, and she, she did a great job, and I'm just really proud of her. But uh, that is uh, actually not us, in case you didn't know. But uh, we did have a good time, and the first two weeks were... A little difficult. I kept picking up the phone, trying to continue with life as normal, and text Larry and John and uh, and let them know, you know, what about this? What about that? And I just kept 
kept having to put the phone down. Uh, but after the two weeks of torture was passed, I really enjoyed uh, the rest of it. So I want to thank you as a church family. Not only did you uh, allow us to go, but you blessed us and, and sent us off, and you prayed for us, and you loved us, and uh, it's so good to be back with you tonight. Tonight I want to talk about listening to the voice of the Lord. One of the things I noticed when I was on sabbatical is that all these voices in my life are speaking into me. And the ones that have the most authority or the most sway in my heart to, to, give, to form my desires are not always the voice of the Lord. It's these other voices. I had a lot of time in the car. We drove down with, uh, I drove down with my older girls. My wife flew down a day later with, uh, with the younger children. And so we had a lot of things to carry with us for being gone and one minivan to do it. And we had to take the dog and all these things. So uh, we drove down. I had a lot of time to listen to Sirius XM radio. And I found this station called 80s on 8 and 90s on 9. So I was listening to some serious 80s and 90s music. And I was able to sing along with almost every one of them as much as I could. What I realized is there are a lot of songs that I really, really love, but I have no idea what they were saying because I didn't know the lyrics. I just kind of go along with them. Kind of like even flow. I mean, that's what it sounds like, right? I mean, you have to lyric search that, that song. I mean, I still don't know what it says. I lyric searched it, and I can't keep up with it. So uh, I think that's a 90s song, though. But uh, I was listening to all these things, and uh, I, I, I shazammed them, which is a, a great app. I don't get any kickback. You can, you can uh, check it out on your own. But I, I started noticing people's names, the artists, and I never heard of them, but I knew their song. Raise your hand. It's interactive. Who, who knows the musician Rockwell? Just raise your hand quickly. There's some 80s kids over here. Rockwell. All right. But how many of you know the song, Somebody's Watching Me, right? Oh, everybody knows the song, but not the artist, all right? Thomas Dolby. Rich, you're going you're gonna to win the, 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 uh, the award tonight for all of these. Thomas Dolby. Who knows the song, She Blinded Me With Science, doo, doo, doo. right? You know that one. I can't really sing that one that well. So you know the song, but not the artist. What about this one? The artist or the musician group called Take That. All right, got some students of music over here. Um, I want you back, I want you back, I want you back for good. Oh, no, you know that one? No? Google it, okay, it's good. All right, you ready for this one? Bananarama. Oh, yeah. It's a cruel, it's a cruel summer that you're gone. Yeah, you know that one? You know the song, but not the artist. You see where I'm going with this, right? And last one, Lou Bega. All right? Mambo number five. You can Google it, but I don't endorse the songs. I'm just saying I'm aware of them, okay? So I was listening to these, and I was going down memory lane. I was shazamming them. I was listening to the lyrics, and I was like, wow, these lyrics say some things that are actually really good, and some of them I really don't agree with. I don't want to endorse them, but they're voices that are going into me and forming my character. Then I heard this song by Smashing Pumpkins. Most of you have heard that name, I think, Smashing Pumpkins. But if I said the name of the song, you may not know the name of the song, but you'll know it when I sing it. The name is Bullet with Butterfly Wings. You know the name? Okay. Well, it's... uh, 
it's a song that caught my attention because I remember listening to it in the 90s is when it came out, 1995. So I was a senior in high school when it came out. And I, I remember singing it a lot, and I remember it said the word Jesus in it. And I thought, hey, that's, that's pretty cool because, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. You know, all Christians listen to Smashing Pumpkins, right? And so he said, he said Jesus in it, but I never really understood the song. And so I, I looked at the words of that, but the, the chorus repeats this line. Despite all my rage, I am still just a rat in the cage. You know the song? Despite all my rage, I am still just a rat in the cage. Right? And it repeats it over and over. And the, you know it's a good joke when your wife laughs. So, he said, and it says later, it says, Tell me I'm the only one. Tell me there's no other one. Jesus was the only son for you. And he repeats at the end, and I still believe that I cannot be saved. He also mentioned, I didn't know it until I googled the lyrics, but he mentions Job, the Old Testament prophet, in the first and the second verse as well. And he mentions Jesus in the chorus. So I searched out the meaning, and I found a few ideas to this song of what people think it means. The first one was they think it's a jab at the music industry saying that they want us to conform like this, and we're just a rat in a cage, but we're going to do it this way. And like Job, we're going to stay true to the end. We're not going to uh, stop when you take away all of our stuff. And so it was a jab at the music industry. The second idea was that this, this idea that they're trapped in a world, and it's draining humanity. The first, verse, uh, the first words of the song is, the world is a vampire sent to drain. Sent to drain. Uh, secret destroyers. Anyway, this, basically the, the, the world is this vampire and it's just draining everything from you. Have you ever felt drained by the stresses of the world before? I have. Just overwhelmed by it. So the world drains humanity and then death is inevitable. That's the second theory. The third theory was this, that it's the, just a human dilemma that we're stuck in a broken world and there's no way to escape by our own power. So I decided, you know, since there's this misunderstanding or not an agreement, there's no unanimity, unanimity in what, the, what it means. So you know what, I'll go to the author who wrote it and I'll see if I can find from them what it says. That's always the best way to do it. And so uh, poetry can be very subjective. So I found one site that gave some input to the artist himself, and the artist's name is Billy Corgan. He's the lead singer, and he said he wrote this about the pain that comes from being a rock star. There are certain pains that they have as a rock star. The lyrics are very dramatic, but he said he also hyperbolized them and made them a little bit of a joke. It wasn't that bad. But possibly shedding some light on what, he, what to read into the lyrics, he also said, listen to this, he said, if people were interested in my own personal story and they knew everything that had happened to me in my childhood, I think they would look at me differently because I was raised in a family that would set me up to fail. I was like, dang. He was saying that his anger and feeling of having no one to trust is a reflection of the youth of his day in particular and society in general. He also said that this song was a a strong personal representation of how he felt at the time, particularly as he was growing in fame. At the world vampire part basically means that he feels like everyone wants to latch on and take something from him. 
I was like, all right, I kind of get it. I get the rage in it. I get the frustration within it. So the song clearly stated a lack of trust in the world, people around him. Everyone agrees on that. And it also stated that there was no hope for change. There are a lot of voices in the world. These voices speak into us in different ways. There are advertisements everywhere that don't say verbal things to us, but we just read their message, and these voices enter into our hearts and persuade us that we need that product and we need that service in order for us to feel better about ourselves or to find fulfillment. We hear songs wherever we go, in restaurants, in stores, in bars, in subways, uh, the streets, their voices, these messages are affecting us, even if we don't understand all the lyrics. They even affect us sometimes if we misunderstand the lyrics and we put our own stamp on to the song. There are voices within us that connect with these messages, and we think, okay, since I'm feeling this way, that must be true. And so there's this inner voice within us. There are friends and there are family that speak into our lives, and they give us their wonderful opinions about everything, right? And then there's social media that just lies to us every time we look at it and tells us that their life is great and our life is terrible or lacking. The first step to listening to the voice of the Lord is knowing that there are many voices in the world that are competing for our attention. Tonight we're going to see three helpful reasons why we should listen to the voice of the Lord. The first one is the voice of our supporters can mislead us. You're going to see that the voice of our opponents can discourage us. And you're going to see the voice of the Lord will strengthen us. And we'll start with this one. The voice of our supporters can mislead us. Well, wait, wait, wait. The voice of our supporters shouldn't mislead us. They should affirm us. They should build us up. They are people who are for us, not against us. You and I both have people in our lives who are our supporters. They speak good into our lives. They love us. They are there no matter what we do. They will never leave us or forsake us. I hope you have people like that in your life. If not, start coming to Connection Church, and that problem will be solved immediately. Shameful plug, I know. But just because there's this love that's there that will never go away from someone, it does not mean that their voice will always lead us in the right direction. Jesus had people who were cheering him into Jerusalem on Sunday before his crucifixion. They truly loved him. They called him the Messiah. They called him their Savior. But look with me in Luke 19, verses 37 through 38, to show this. As soon as Jesus was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen. And they were shouting, Blessed is he, the King, who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. They loved Jesus. In another gospel, this triumphal entry that Jesus goes into Jerusalem is in all four gospels, and we get different perspectives from each one. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 10 and 11, we see this perspective. It says, when he had entered entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, and they were saying, who is this? Who is this? And the crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. So they were saying the right things. They knew who Jesus was. They, They were saying, save us, Hosanna. That's what Hosanna means. They were saying, blessed is Jesus the King who comes in the name of God. And they were saying, he's the son of David, Hosanna in the highest. 
But they did not have God's plan of salvation in their hearts. They were cheering in Jesus because they wanted him to save the world a certain way, and God was planning something different. They had all the right conclusions. They were spot on. Jesus was every one of those titles. He was riding into Jerusalem, and he was going to save them, but he was going to do it differently. They wanted an immediate, vid- uh, immediate, immediate victory over their oppressors. They were not the government. They wanted to overthrow the government that kept them down and treated them terribly. And Jesus was riding into town to do just that. He was, but he was going to do it in a different way. When Jesus told the disciples that he must go, and this is in Matthew 16, it's, uh, I'll just tell you the story. He told them, he said, I'm going to have to be handed over to the scribes and the Pharisees and the elders, the chief priests, and I'm going to die. But I'm going to be resurrected. So Peter, who loved Jesus, huge supporter, big fan, all right? Jesus, come here. Peter takes him over here. He's like, listen, Jesus, you can't do this. There's no way I'm going to let you go and die. God forbid you to do that, Jesus. You know what Jesus said to him? He said, get behind me, Satan. Now that's what he called his friend, And the reason he called him such a harsh name is to let him know, look, he said, Peter, you're thinking in man's way, but we're going to have to do this God's way. And so Peter, who loved Jesus so much and wanted to protect him with all of his might, tried to persuade the Lord to not follow through with God's plan. His great supporter can mislead him. Peter's voice was so opposed to the Lord's that Jesus called him Satan. So, just because they support us doesn't mean that we can take everything as gold. Our, vo- our supporters can even lead us astray. The second one is this. The voice of our opponents discourages us. So, the voice of supporters can mislead us. The voice of our opponents discourages us. So, we all likely have people in our lives who speak negativity into our lives. They just drag us down. It could be a boss, it could be a co-worker, it could be a former friend, or even a family member. There are people whose voice will drag us down and will lead us to depression and cause great harm if we listen to them. Look with me in Luke 19, 39. It reads, Some of the Pharisees in the crowd, which were opponents to Jesus, they said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. So they were telling Jesus, look, you need to tell these people to stop. Stop them because they are blaspheming and calling you the Messiah, and you're not the Messiah. But Jesus didn't listen to their voices, and he didn't doubt who he was. And right in the next verse, in verse 40, he said, But Jesus answered, I tell you, if these, which he's talking about these people, if they become silent, the stones will cry out. Not the rolling stones. I heard them too on the radio. But he's talking about the actual stones. He's saying creation is going to cry out for my glory if these people don't. The Gospel of Matthew records another objection that they had of Jesus during this time. And Jesus did the same thing in Matthew 21, verses 14 and following. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and Jesus healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he had done, and the children who were shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the Son of David... They became 
indignant. Now stay right there for a moment. It's pretty bad when miracles are happening, the blind are learning to see, people are being healed, and you become indignant. That is a hardened heart. And the reason they were indignant is because they were praising Jesus, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Now verse 16, Jesus replied and he said to them, Excuse me, and they said to Jesus, Do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies? You have prepared praise for yourself. So Jesus was saying, Yes, I hear what they're saying, and what they're saying is right. I am the Son of God, I am worthy of this praise. They tried their best to stop Jesus. They tried to get him to quit his mission. Stop having them say this about you. This is not true about you. You're not who you say you are. You're not who they say you are. They tried to discourage him, but he stayed focused on who God the Father said he was, not on who his opponents said he was. So our supporters can mislead us. Our opponents will try their best to discourage us. But the third reason is this. The voice of the Lord strengthens us. So Jesus, we'll see in a moment, was strengthened by the voice of God during his entire ministry. He remained focused on why he was here and what he had to accomplish. We see him later this week do the same thing as he prepares the night before his crucifixion. He prepares by going to the Garden of Gethsemane. But before that moment of crucifixion, before he went to his executioner's hand, he went to his father in prayer. And he said, well, I'm going to read it to you. But I want you to listen to what happened after he listened to the voice of God. In Luke 22, verses 41 through 44. And Jesus, he, Jesus, withdrew from them, the disciples, about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and he began to pray, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. So this is him saying, if you're willing, Father, let there be another way. Because this is going to be the most gruesome thing imaginable. To face crucifixion, but to face the wrath of God and to have you turn your back on me, and for us to not have the perfect union that we've always had since the beginning of creation or since before creation. If there's any other way, let us do that. But nevertheless, not yet my will, or yet not my will, but yours be done. And look in this next verse. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. So Jesus goes to the Father, and he prays it out there. He gives it out there. He's like, if there's any other way, let's do that. But if not, I'm going to trust you. And God sent this angel, and he ministered to the Lord, and he strengthened him. And being in agony, in verse 44, Jesus was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. 
So he submitted to the God's will, and this angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. He didn't remove the agony. The agony remained, right? He didn't remove the sweating of blood, the, the gruesome path before him. He didn't remove. He didn't remove the cross. But what he did do was strengthen him for that mission. He didn't make it easy for him, but he gave him the strength to accomplish the greatest mission this world has ever known. And because Jesus listened, and because he obeyed the voice of God, now we receive strength from him through faith in Christ. Jesus gave up his right to be protected by the Father. He didn't have to go to the cross unless we wanted to be reconciled to him. He chose to do that. He chose to submit himself to the Father. He gave up his right to be protected as the only child of God, and he submitted his life to the Lord for sacrifice so you and I could become children of God. So the voice of the Lord agrees with the idea in that Bullets with Butterfly Wings song. It said, despite all my rage, I am still just a rat in a cage. So spiritually speaking, that's right. That we are broken beyond repair, and there is nothing that we can do to change that. There's nothing we can do. But the voice of the Lord disagrees with the lyrics within that same song that say, and I still believe that I cannot be saved. Because the Lord says that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So we find truth within this song, but we also find untruth. So which voice are we listening to? It doesn't matter what you've done. The Lord will forgive those who seek his mercy and his grace. It does not mean that God just forgives you and he just doesn't pat you up and repair you, but he changes your spiritual DNA. Once you belong to Christ, you are no longer a child of wrath and disobedience, but a child of Almighty God. You are loved. You are valuable, cherished, amazingly beautiful. Even you, Larry. You are healed. You are at peace. You are blessed. You are surrounded by the angels of heaven. Nothing will happen in your life that God will not strengthen you for. He will strengthen you to endure and thrive through. God will never leave you nor forsake you. He will always be with you. And in Christ, God looks upon you right now and approves you because he sees the holiness of Christ and the righteousness of Jesus. When God the Father looked down upon Jesus, Jesus was baptized like this. He was immersed, went underwater, came up. That's why Connection Church chooses to do it. We don't look down upon those who sprinkle, just so you know. But that's why we do it. And he was baptized, and the, the heavens opened up, and the Spirit descended upon Jesus, and the voice of God the Father said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. It means I find great joy when I look upon my Son. We see a great love the Father has 
for his son. And so when we belong to Jesus and we are baptized as a child of God, those very words that were spoken to Jesus become the words that are now spoken to us by the Father. He looks upon us and finds joy and delight. The voice of the Lord says to all of his children, you are loved and my heart is pleased with you. Will you listen to the voice of the Lord? He is your greatest support, and he will never lead you down the wrong path. He is stronger than your greatest opponent, and he will fight your battles for you. And he is the one who cares for you more than anyone else in the world. Let's pray. Our loving Father, you know the voices we hear in this world, and some are good, and some are simply evil. Those other voices can intentionally or unintentionally lead us into danger, despair, and death. But you speak truth into our lives through your written word and through our worship of you as the one true God. Tonight I pray you would give us hearts that crave your voice. Your truth remains unaffected by changing tides of culture and human persuasion. So cause us, your church, to hold tightly to the voice that has called us out of death and into life. Breathe hope into our hearts. Give joy, give rest, pleasure, peace, prosperity, health, security, all good things that come from your hand. Not because we deserve them, but because we are your children. And we thank you, Lord, for the life you have given to us through the death and resurrection of your Son. We pray it in his holy name. Amen.